Hello, my name is Jody Lima, and welcome to Dream Gardens, where we talk up the children's books we love. On this twice-monthly podcast, posted on the first and third Monday of each month, I interview other kids' books enthusiasts about their own favorite children's books. Today, I'm going to be interviewing Janae Marks. Uh, she's author of the middle grade novel From the Desk of Zoe Washington. And we're going to be talking about that book, as well as her own personal favorite book, uh, which is the first book in the long-running series, The Babysitter's Club. And that book is called Christie's Great Idea, and it was written by Ann M. Martin. I should also mention that it was roughly four years ago, in November of 2016, when I posted the very first Dream Gardens podcast. Uh, now, it's grown a little since then, not too much, but I plan to keep on going for as long as there's somebody out there listening, or until I run out of children's books to talk about, and uh, that doesn't seem too likely. And until I decide otherwise, I'm going to keep starting things off by reading a poem, like I'm going to do right now. Uh, the one for today is called Her Daddy's Hands, and it was written by Angela Johnson. Her Daddy's Hands His hands, you see, Mama says, were hard and calloused. They worked all day making bricks that made houses he'd show her as he flew his noisy old pickup down the red Alabama roads. But on Sundays, those hands, you see, felt soft and would hold my Mama's and walk her to church quietly, him in black, her in white, along those red Alabama roads. My guest today is Janae Marks, author of the middle grade novel From the Desk of Zoe Washington. You can find her website at www.janaemarks.com. Uh, thank you for joining me today, Janae. Thank you so much for having me on. And um, I mentioned your your book, From the Desk of Zoe Washington. This is your debut novel, correct? Yep, my debut novel that just came out um, this past January. And can you January talk, 2020. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I just said January 2020. And can you talk a little bit about uh, what the book is about? Sure. Um, so From the Desk of Zoe Washington tells the story of 12-year-old Zoe, who is obsessed with baking her big dream is to um, compete on the Food Network's Kid Bake Challenge show, um, which is sort of a baking competition show for kids, and she wants to grow up and become a pastry chef. But on her 12th birthday, she unexpectedly receives a letter from her father, who she's actually never met before because he's been in prison her, her entire life. And so she decides to write back um, and, get, and getting to know him through their back and forth letters she ends up finding out something pretty surprising, which is that he might actually be innocent of his crime. So she decides to set out and discover the truth about what happened with her father and his and his crime. And what was the where did you get this story idea from? What was the inspiration for this? Yeah. So back in 2014, I was really hooked on the podcast Serial, which is spelled S-E-R-I-A-L. And the first season of that show um, told the story of this man who actually is in prison still to this day, but many people believe that he might actually be innocent. And so the, the podcast basically was, you know, investigating his case and just going back and revisiting a lot of things and, and just trying to figure out the truth. And I was just very riveted by it. I, you know, it just really got me thinking. Um, I knew that this kind of thing happens, you know, that there are people who are wrongly convicted of crimes. But um, this sort of just put it at the forefront of my mind and kind of got me thinking about researching it. So I started looking things up. I looked up the Innocence Project, which is an organization that helps 
free innocent people from prison and um yeah just kind of just went down the rabbit hole and just started doing all this research and because i like writing for younger audiences i started thinking about what it would it be like to be the child of somebody in that position you know because a lot of times when you see podcasts or documentaries about these kinds of things it's usually from the point of view of the person in prison or um, you know, the person investigating the crime, like the lawyer or something like that. And you don't often get to hear too much from the family members. So I just wondered, what would it be like to be a kid whose family, you know, member parent was in that in that situation? Like, how what would you do? How would you react? So that's sort of how Zoe Washington was born. And then, you know, I kind of just started thinking about other ways to add more to Zoe's life so that her life isn't only just having a parent in prison, which is why I decided to make her a baker. I love watching those baking competition shows myself. Um, in my free time, I especially love the ones that feature kids because the kids are always so passionate and inspiring. So I just thought it'd be really cool to have Zoe be, um, you know, a, a really talented kid baker, just like the kids on those shows. I have to say, I, I did have a chance to read the book, and I, I would highly recommend it uh, for anybody. And it is interesting, things like the, the Innocent, Innocence Project is, is is an actual organization. Yeah. So, so it's something, a person reading this book, that they, um, you know, it's not just a fictional story, but they can learn about something that's actually out there in the world and uh, helping people. Right. What's been really cool is seeing, um, you know, teachers and librarians and parents using the book to kind of teach, you know, help introduce their kids to these kind of issues. And I even had um, recently I had a school visit, a virtual school visit, where in addition to inviting me along to ask questions, answer questions that the kids had, they also invited um, a person from the Innocence Project to come and answer questions for, the, you know, the kind of questions they had about what that whole that whole aspect of things and what they do and how do they do their work. So it's pretty cool that, um, you know, I'm glad I was able to include an actual organization so that kids could actually use it as a jumping off point to learn more if they're interested. Well, that sounds like, that sounds like a really special, uh, uh, special time then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can you, would you mind uh, sharing a little bit of your book? Oh, sure. Okay. So I'll um, read a little bit from the first chapter. I'm going to start a few paragraphs in. So it starts off with Zoe just returning home from um, this birthday party that she had at a bakery. And basically this paragraph is going to start with her walking in the door. So when my parents and I got home, dad pulled his rain jacket hood onto his head and rushed inside with a box of leftover cupcakes Mom, using an umbrella, carried my gift bags. I hurried behind them and on my way in, grabbed the mail from the mailbox next to our front door. While I kicked off my sneakers in our foyer, I flipped through the envelopes, checking to see if my great aunt's birthday card arrived. She usually included money, and I was dying to add an egg separator to my baking supplies. There was a catalog and some junk mail from credit card companies. And then I spotted a plain white envelope with my name, Zoe Washington, and my address handwritten in neat blueprint. I glanced at the return address and froze. Massachusetts State Penitentiary was typed on the upper left corner across from a waving American flag stamp. The name Marcus Johnson was written in that same blue handwriting above the prison's name. It was a letter from my convict father, a man I never heard from before. I couldn't believe it. Just like that, my birthday didn't matter anymore. And from there, the, the the story really takes off. We find more yeah. about what happened. And like you're saying before, it's about the, um, you know, people's uh, feelings. Because there's all sorts of different attitudes about her father, you know, or runs the gamut. And, and, and that changes as the, the book goes on as well. Yeah. And at the heart of it, too, it's also just a story about um, Zoe and her relationship with her father, Marcus, you know, that they're building this relationship through the letters. So in addition to being about, you know, whether or not he really is innocent, it's also just them getting to know each other and forming this bond over the course of the book, which was fun to write. 
Now, I, 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 unusual question for you. I was I was looking on your website, and I see that uh, in the UK version of the book, it has a different title, The Faraway Truth. And I'm always interested in titles and where they come from. And I'm just wondering if you have any insight as to, you know, what's the or where that came from or what's the reason that they, you know, and I know this is a common thing, but why they decided to change the title and why this particular title? Yeah, so I was basically, once it sold to that publisher, one day I received an email from my agent who was sort of the middleman between me and, and my publisher saying, you know, they decided to come up with a new title. And I was like, okay. Um, so they basically, it sounds like the the phrase from the desk of, you know, isn't really something common over there. And so they felt like it wasn't as marketable in their market over in the UK. So they decided to come up with something else that still fits the story, the faraway truth, which still fits what, you know, Zoe's journey is. Um, yeah. And so they went with a new title. They kind of just in the email told me this is the new title and asked me if I was okay with it. And I said, that sounds fine. You know, I think it's still a pretty good title. And, and then the nice thing is that they even had a new, um, a new cover illustrator, illustrated a new whole new cover to go along with it. So what was cool was that I actually got two really beautiful covers um, out of this experience so far. So yeah, I'm not I'm not upset about it. Although it does cause confusion. So for some people on, on my website, I try to make it very clear that it's a different edition of the same book. But I've had a couple of people say, Oh, I bought your next book. And I'm like, No, it's the same book. So I try to make it very clear. Um, but that they're two separate books. Oh, I have people actually bought the faraway truth. I think thing. at least one person messaged me and said, Oh, I, I got your book. And then I it showed up and I realized it was the same. And I'm like, I'm sorry, you can return it if you want to. So it is, I think, a little bit confusing, to be honest. But um, but I think that's, you know, it happens sometimes. And yeah, it's just a thing that happens in publishing sometimes. Now, are you actually working on uh, something else? I know this is your debut novel, but um, writers are always on to the next project. Is there something else that you're currently working on? Yeah. So when um, my publisher, Catherine Teagan Books, bought um, my debut from the Destiny of Zoe Washington, they bought it in a two book deal. So I have another um, contemporary middle grade book coming out in September of 2021. It's called A Soft Place to Land. And yeah, I haven't really shared too much about it yet. But basically, it has it also has, uh, you know, a very strong willed, determined main character. It also covers themes of friendship and family. Um, it's more of a personal story about the girl and less about, you know, bigger, larger societal issues. But yeah, I'm really excited about it and look forward to sharing more soon. And this is a, a separate story. It's sort of a totally a, a separate se story. Yeah, I've been asked if I am planning on writing a sequel or anything. But as of right now, that is not in the plans. But, um, you know, I guess never say never. We'll see. <laughs> Now, uh, the book you picked is one of your own personal favorite uh, kids' books. I mean, actually, uh, it's, uh, we're going to be talking about one book in particular, The Babysitter's Club, uh, Christie's Great Idea by Anne M. Martin, which was written in 1986. Uh, but we're also going to be talking just about The Babysitter's Club in general, which is a huge series of right. books. For readers who aren't familiar, and I have to admit that this book you chose is the very first Babysitter's Book babysitter's club book i've ever read um so other readers like me who have not had a chance to pick up one of the books can you talk a little bit about uh this particular book because it does kind of introduce everything and what the babysitter's club is in general yeah so the reason why i chose this one just to say as my favorite is because i love the series as a whole and I, I thought it made sense to kind of start with the first one just in case like you said other other listeners haven't read them but basically it sets out you know it sets up the story there's christy who is the first main character that you meet and she you know decides sort of after a series of events to create this babysitter's club basically a club of girls who 
um, you know, are good at babysitting kids, younger kids. The, the kids, these kids are about 12, 13 years old. So that, you know, they're able to babysit some younger kids and decide to create a club so that they can do it and kind of make, make it into a business. So she basically puts together um, the club starting out with two of her friends, Marianne and Claudia. And then there's a fourth member, Stacy, that they try to, that's a new girl in town. And they basically get her to be part of it as well. And that basically this book sets out the rest of the series where from here, there's all sorts of you know, situations that these kids get into and, you know, different relationships they have and all the different things they're navigating at home. And yeah, and so it, this is just the start of it, but it kind of opens up this world of, you know, this club and, and the school and everything else that's going on in their town. So I know this book is told from uh, Christie's point of view, obviously, but right. uh, my understanding is that each book, uh, a, a different one of these four characters uh, tells yeah. the story and they're kind of the focus of, of, of that book in particular. Right. Yeah, so we get to see, um, I mean, there's so many of them. To be honest, I don't even know that, like, when I was a child, I even got a chance to read every single book. But yeah, they do, you do get a chance to um, hear from a lot of the different characters. There are even some smaller characters that come in later in the series that, so it's not even just these four, you even get some more down the line, too. So it's nice, because I think that's what I like so much about it, is that it's, you know, you get this world, and you get to know these characters, but you also get to learn about the world from all these other characters' points of view as they introduce them. But then you still it's still familiar because even the future books from a different person's point of view still includes all the original characters in it. So it's just, it's like a nice, once you get comfortable reading it, you know, as a kid, I just loved, you know, just continuing to be part of this world. What is it about these characters in particular that makes them so appealing or are people that you, you want to keep going back to and finding out what's going on in their lives? I think just they were very relatable to me at that age. You know, I actually grew up as an only child. And so for me, friendships were so important to me. And having, you know, the idea of this kind of club, you know, I think at that age too, like clubs were just really popular when I was growing up. The idea of forming clubs with your friends and having these kind of groups, you know, were just so appealing to me because they were my, you know, I didn't have siblings. So they were the people that I relied on. Um, and so reading books like this, I just felt like I related to them so much especially because a lot of the the story arcs, you know, throughout the series are really just talking about real situations that girls get into, you know, when kids get into. And I think that's, you know, I definitely had an influence on me as a writer, because now I, I write contemporary fiction. And I feel like a lot of that, you know, comes from my love of, of reading these kind of contemporary stories growing up. So yeah, I think for me, I just really related to the characters and the diversity of all the situations that they were in, and things like that. Well, I thought what was interesting is it's not only this sort of bond of friendship, but they get together and they create a business together. And it's a real business. They have a plan and, right. you know, they do advertisement and, you know, and they, they've got all these things worked out and it actually does work. Um, right. as, and, and I'm just wondering just, just, just that particular aspect of the book, why that would be um, a value for for readers to see these these, these young girls get together and sort of create yeah. this um, this this organization, basically. Yeah, I mean, I think it's empowering for sure for kids to see that they can, you know, that they don't have to rely on adults to to get things done. Like if they they want to create a club or a business, they can do so at a young age. And even now, this is obviously a story that like took place, you know, was written a long time ago. But even now, I mean, there's even more opportunities, I would say, for kids to to kind of do things like this, whether it's a business like this, or whether it's something smaller, like, I know people whose kids are really into art, and they're putting their their art on like Etsy and selling their art, you know, it's like just the idea that kids can actually have their own businesses. And it's funny, because now that I'm 
we're having this conversation, I'm realizing my second book that I just mentioned, A Soft Place to Land, features um, characters coming up with a business. And and I didn't really think like, oh, like I'm going to do this because of the Babysitter's Club. But now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, oh, maybe this was like some sort of subconscious inspiration for me. But yeah, I think it really is empowering. I, I love the idea of of kids, young kids getting a chance to pursue their own interests and passions and kind of do things on their own independently like this, you know, something that's attainable, you know, like babysitting is a thing that is reasonable for them to be able to do. And yeah, and, and, and like the skills you get to build off of that, you know, I remember when I was reading these books, and as a kid, I even considered becoming a babysitter myself, like I took the Red Cross, you know, babysitting class, you know, and I really, I really was thinking really hard about it. I think I started out babysitting and realized ultimately, it was not for me, probably because I only child I just wasn't I maybe in the end I just realized that being around little kids just wasn't my favorite thing but but I actually really it, it did inspire me for a minute <laughs> to like actually think about pursuing that so I do feel like it, it it inspired my you know interest in pursuing things like that you know or at least trying it you know and then if not if that didn't work out try something else so yeah I think it can be pretty inspiring and empowering for kids to read stories like this now, even though, like I said, it's, it's it is a this business that is a successful one, uh, but a lot of the book deals with their sort of va- various adventures they go on babysitting, and some are not always, you know, t- turn out very well because you never know right. whether you're meeting new people. You know, unexpected things happen. And I'm just wondering, uh, with all the various sort of uh, situations that you get into, did you have a particular favorite uh, uh, moment or you know a babysitting tale that? Uh, oh, that, for uh, me, yeah. Oh, yeah, I have one story that I definitely kind of definitely turned me off of babysitting. I was I was tasked with babysitting three children all at once. And I'm like one person, um, you know, around the same age as the girls in this book, like 12, 13. And the mother just dropped me and the three children off at a playground. And we're just like, okay, like, we'll see ya. And so I had no way to kind of get us anywhere else. And it was just very difficult is because one of the kids was very little. I think she might have only been like two or three. So I had to pay very close attention to her. But then the older kids were, you know, who might have been like seven, eight. They, you know, knew that they can get away with things. So they would just kind of go off and do their own thing and just sort of know that they can get away with it. And I couldn't even do anything about it because I had to focus on the little one. So I was like, this is just too much. <laughs> like, I feel like in reality, there really shouldn't have been one babysitter handling all three kids. But I got I feel like this this family became almost infamous for that, for having ba- people babysit them and realize, you know, one or two times that um, after babysitting them that they just couldn't do it. <laughs> so I think they went through babysitters very quickly. But yeah, that was definitely one of the moments where I was like, this is not for me. <laughs> babysitters Club, you guys are better at this than I am. Of course, they have their own moments. I think there's a one goes in and it turns out they're dogs, I believe. That's yeah, a, yeah. They have watching and another one where uh, they have these two children, two children, and there's this uh, mysterious older woman who uh, lives next door. And I think a dog is involved there as well. I can't remember which of the, the girls. Um, and I don't know if that sounds familiar to Yeah, I mean, I think that's true. And I think that's true even outside of babysitting. There's it just that's just I think it's really realistic for any kind of business you go into or any kind of thing that you're going to come upon these unexpected moments um, and you have to kind of figure out how to navigate them. So um, and I think that's what's fun about I mean, that's what makes it fun to read for sure. Like watching them have to navigate all these these moments that go completely wrong. It's what makes the book fun to read, too, is seeing what adventures they end up in. 
Now, the, the tone of the book in general, yeah, it's, 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 it's generally lighthearted, but I was I noticed that it also dealt with, it also dealt, and I think you touched upon this a little bit earlier, you know, it does deal with some serious topics like Christy herself, who's the, who narrates the book, is a child of divorce, and her mother is, is seeing another man, and so she's very, you know, has definite feelings about that. And then we learn uh, with Stacy, she's got the secret, and we find out later on uh, that she has uh, diabetes. So it does deal with some serious topics within, you know, like I said, it's, it's mainly lighthearted, but it also does touch yeah. on these sort of serious topics as well. Yeah, and actually, um, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but the um, Netflix just released a adaptation of this series, and that was another reason why it was sort of at the forefront of my mind when I was thinking about some of my favorite books from my childhood. And I watched it, and it was great because they really did do a good job of, you know, sticking to the story. Um, you know, like they had Christy with the same situation with her her mom getting remarried, or you know, with a divorce, and then um, with Stacy navigating her diabetes, that sort of thing. Um, but they also even went a little bit step further with some of the issues that they talked about in there. Like, I feel like they even, um, you know, because it's, they try to make it more current. Um, I think kids are used to seeing even, even more tough things in books. Um, so they were able to kind of push it a little bit further. And also they were able to make the book a little bit, I mean, make the series a little bit more diverse because that was my only, you know, quibble with it growing up was that I loved the story related to a lot of the characters, but there wasn't really a ton of characters that looked like me. Um, there is a character, Jessie, that comes in later. She's also you know, African-American, but, up, you know, that was basically it. And she was one of the minor characters that you only had a couple of books from her point of view. So I think, again, it didn't affect my love of the books, but it was nice to see how in the, the new reboot of the series, they decided to make Marianne, you know, a black girl or mixed. They made her biracial, you know, and, and just like just add a little bit more diversity because it it didn't really do anything to change the story, but it just added that extra layer, you know. So I appreciated that. It was nice. It was nice to be able to watch it and still love all of the things about the books um, and still have that extra little bit of added diversity that made it even more special for me personally. Like I said, and the, and the, the sort of topics, like you said, they dealt, go into a little more details. This is sort of a common thing that goes throughout the books that they deal with, you know, adventures. And, and like I said, I've only read the one book. And uh, right. how, how many have you read uh, yourself? I don't know if you've counted. Uh, it's hard to say because I, you know, I read them. I really only read these when I was younger. Um, okay. Like when I was in middle school. So um, this is a serious throwback for me. So I don't know. I mean, I just remember, re like, you know, I would read as many of them as I could. So I don't have an exact number, but I definitely read a lot. And I was into like all of the spinoff things. Like they had dolls back then. They had, you know, they had a television show at one point, even even before this Netflix show, they had like a older show back in the 90s. Like, I mean, I just like, and I had a friend, a really good friend of mine who also really loved the books and, the, and all of the stuff. So we would talk about them together. So it, it was a real big cultural phenomenon for me, you know? Because there's like over 200 books. And like you said, there's the series on, on Netflix now. So what is it about this? I mean, there are all sorts of different books, but this book is, you know, there's so many of them and, you know, um, they're still being uh, read. And, you know, obviously with the yeah. series that's going, what is it about that? What's the this sort of enduring appeal that this set of books has that other books that sort of come and go don't quite have this is still here? Yeah, I mean, it just feels like a classic. Um, I think that people, I think kids love reading about friendship. I mean, friendship is such a pivotal part of being an adolescent, you know, and all the things you go through with your friends, you know, outside of your friends that you have, you know, you're navigating all these things at home. I just feel like it did such a good job of showing 
how, you know, kids are juggling all these different things. They're, they're juggling their business, but they also have a lot of family stuff going on. They have friendship stuff going on, you know, disagreements and things. I just feel like they just did a really good job of portraying what it's like to be that age in a realistic way. And, you know, with an appealing set of characters, I think like the characters themselves are just really appealing. I think, you know, one of the things that they do with the Babysitter's Club is say like, which character are you? Are you a Christie? Are you a Claudia? You know, it's like you can really find, you know, who you feel could most connected with or like what characteristics, you know, a lot of people love Claudia because she has this amazing sense of style, you know, and, and things like that. And, or if you're, you know, shy, like I was as a kid, you, you might look, feel like, oh, well, I, I can relate to Marianne, you know, or, you know, Christy, who's a little bit more bossy and, and assertive, that sort of thing. So I, I don't know. I just think it just did such a great job of, of character development and really portraying friendships well. I mean, it's the kind of stuff that I hope that, you know, with books that I write, I'm able to leave, you know, have write these kind of memorable characters that that will be long lasting, you know, and like, it's like you said, like generations. I mean, now, they re-released these books as I actually, um, in, in advance of this podcast interview, I was like, you know what, I actually don't have another copy. Like, I, I don't know where my original copies went. So I decided to go and buy the the classic tin that they're selling now. They have like a tin that has the first five books in it with all the original artwork and everything, just as like a nostalgia thing. But now they have graphic novels out of it now. You know, like they've they've really taken the stories and made it in different formats. So kids who like graphic novels can read the Babysitter's Club graphic novels and and different things like that. So I it really does have like a lasting, it really has like had a lasting effect on, you know, impression on, on readers throughout all these. I mean, again, this came out in 1986. So there's not that many books that, you can say are, you know, kids are still enjoying to this day. So something about it. I mean, she really, she really knew what she was doing. <laughs> that Anna Mark. I actually, um, I loved this book so much as a kid. I actually wrote her a letter when I was in, um, in elementary school. And I think it was one of those projects where, you know, they have you write to somebody or write to an author. And, and she sent me back, I think it was like a form letter, but I was so excited to receive it. <laughs> you know, it just, you know, so I definitely feel a very, you know, a, a lot of nostalgia for these books and these, these stories. And even a form letter can be just yeah, a very exciting moment. It was a yeah. really nice form letter. And I think, you know, it, it had like, if it wasn't her live signature, I think they'd had her signature saved. So it looked like, you know, she'd signed it. It was really exciting. Now, this might be kind of a difficult question, but because uh, you read a lot of books, I don't know if you have a particular favorite book or books in this series, or is it one of those things that there's so many they kind of blend together? Um, or is there one book that uh, stands out? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people do have favorites because there are certain, you know, events that happen over the course of the books. But for me, I have just more of a general memory of how much I love them and just as a whole. <laughs> And again, it's just been so long since I've read all of them that like, it's like I just my memories of them are just more not necessarily book specific. Um, but I do remember, I mean, they even had spinoffs. So there's the there is the spinoff. There's a couple spinoffs, but one of them was um, Babysitter's Club Little Sister, which is from the point of view of uh, Christie's little sister. And I remember reading those, too. Like, I just like loved all of them. So, I mean, just the I, I think I just for me, it's more just the nostalgia of remembering, you know, being obsessed with these books as a kid. And it's not necessarily one book over the other um it was just the characters as a whole and any story that showed them featured them so it's really creating uh, a whole world here it sounds like with the, these characters and lives and building on them that yeah you sort of go endless go endlessly even though the characters don't age i assume <laughs> or do they actually as the books go on i'm not i'm not entirely yeah, sure i don't know i i feel like i can't remember now but i think they generally they I mean, if they i think they 
they don't necessarily not age, but I, I think that they don't. Each book does not necessarily span a large amount of time. So they're able to have, um, you know, like I think it probably shows a few years of their life or something over the course of the series. It doesn't have them going into high school or things like that. Or... I don't think so. But again, I ha- it's been so long since I read all of the books that I can't remember, but I don't think so. Well, that wouldn't make sense, I suppose, if it's it's directed to a particular age uh, right. group that you want to sort of uh, aim for that, um, keep the characters an age that would be relatable, I assume. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the case, too, for, like, series nowadays. Like, if you have a series for this age group, you tend to – it's like a sliver of time so that you can have a lot of books, you know, over the course of a year – that carry over the course of a year, you know? Well, Janae, uh, thank you so much for uh, – taking the time to introduce me to the Babysitter's Club. It's one of those books I, I see at the library all the time, and I've never picked one up. So they gave me a chance to read one, and now I'll have to read a few more. Yeah, and I, I recommend the Netflix series, too, if you haven't watched it. I mean, if you're into books for children and you like shows that are, you know, like adaptations of those kinds of things, it was really well done. I think even because they have a lot of adult characters, too, I think even as an adult, I loved it. I mean, and I know other adults. I mean, I, a lot of it was the nostalgia, but it's a really well done show. So I also recommend the show after you've read if you read some more of it. I will have to look it up. I'll have to look it up. And also, thank you for, uh, you know, uh, talking to me about your own book. Uh, like I said, I had a chance to read it myself and I, I do recommend it. I'm looking forward to your book that's coming out next year. Thank you so much. I'm so glad you enjoyed it and looking forward to sharing more books with readers in the future. <laughs> You can find Janae's website at www.janaemarks.com. Thank you for joining me on Dream Gardens. The theme music, titled All Together, is provided courtesy of Purple Planet Music. You can visit them at www.purpleplanet.com. Podcast cover art was created through Canva, which can be found at www.canva.com. You can visit me at jleemont.com or follow me on Twitter at dreamgardensjlm. The Dream Gardens podcast is also available through iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. If you like what you hear, please comment, share, or subscribe. And if you'd like to participate in the Dream Gardens podcast, go to the contact page on my website and send me a note telling me who you are and what book you'd like to talk about. And until next time, keep dreaming, keep growing, and keep reading. <laughs>